Nora Speaks is a weekly podcast that tugs at the soul and consciousness of the Black community. With show topics such as youth empowerment, education, women's impact, and civic engagement, Nora Speaks challenges the listener to not only join the movement, but be the movement. On the show, you'll learn from insightful guests who have demonstrated capacity in these fields and more, and I'm your host, Nora Muhammad. Welcome to the show. Welcome to another episode of the Nora Speaks podcast, and welcome to the first episode of 2019, and I am your host, Nora Muhammad. I'm so glad to be back with you. Um, I've been away from the podcast, um, so you've been listening to the Rewind episodes of Nora Speaks, but I have not been away on vacation. I have been diligently working on some things, so I have some announcements and updates that I'm very, very excited about. But I hope that as you began 2019, that you did so um, with contemplation, with some introspection. Um, And I hope that at the end of 2018, you had a chance to kind of review your year, um, do a year-end review and think about your accomplishments, think about your wins. Um, It's easy for us to think about what went wrong, think about our losses, think about areas where we didn't succeed. But, you know, it's easy for us to focus on those shortcomings. But I hope that you've also given yourself the grace and focused on some wins. And I'm sure you've had some wins. I'm sure you had many wins. And I want you to continue um, with that momentum and with that winning momentum as we move forward in 2019. And as I said, I was diligently working during that break. um, And I do... I uh, want to announce, and I'm excited to share with you the Nora Speaks Facebook page, um, Nora Speaks podcast Facebook page, that is. And uh, we also have the Nora Speaks podcast Instagram page, as well as the Nora Speaks podcast Twitter page. So you can follow me at Nora Speaks podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And, um, you know, I realized that I was just kind of, um, cl- now I almost say cluttering, but I was overwhelming my personal Facebook page with um, a lot of, you know, the podcast uh, episodes and things. And, and my, my Facebook page, honestly, is a public page because I use that page to um, funnel information that I think is appropriate and relevant. But I did think that it was also appropriate to have a page that was specifically dedicated to the Nora Speaks podcast. So you can follow me on um, the Nora Speaks, uh, Nora Speaks podcast Facebook page, um, as well as the Nora Speaks podcast Instagram. You can follow me there on IG, at Nora Speaks podcast, as well as Twitter. And I'm not so active on Twitter as I am on Instagram and, uh, and Facebook. And I, I do have a personal Twitter account but I'm going to be more active on Twitter. Um, and I think that Twitter is a platform that, you know, for me, I see it dealing with more social consciousness and social political issues. And, you know, I, I see a lot of things that interest me. So I look forward to engaging the Twitter audience as well. Um, I also have a brand new website, 
You can find the uh, Nora Speaks podcast also at norahspeaks.com. So you can follow the podcast there. You can go there. You can listen to episodes of the uh, of the podcast. Um, and for many who may not know, Nora Speaks podcast is on several streaming platforms. So, of course, you have Apple Podcasts. You have uh, Stitcher, Spreaker. There's also CastBox, Radio Public. Um, also on TuneIn. Um, I know last year there was an issue with TuneIn where the new episodes were not populating. Um, I think I was stuck at episode like 45 for quite some time, and I touched base with their customer service. They uh, acknowledged that they were having a problem, and I'm so grateful to see today that that issue is resolved. So you can also follow Nora Speaks on TuneIn. Um as well as SoundCloud, you know, or any uh, podcast streaming app, you can go there. Um, I know I have my favorite uh, podcast apps, and you may have yours. So I want to make sure that you know that you can follow Nora Speaks on your favorite platform. And if you find that Nora Speaks podcast is not on your favorite platform, please do email me. You can email me at info at norahspeaks.com, and I can uh, look into any issues that you may be having. But as I said, you know, this is the first episode of Nora Speaks in 2019, and my premise has not changed. My objective remains the same, which is to produce uh, information, share perspectives that challenge our community, that also um, provide unique perspectives on issues that impact our community. So I hope not to disappoint today, although I will say that today's subject can be Sensitive for some listeners, um, I hope not offensive, but definitely I recognize that this uh, subject matter may be sensitive for some. And in today's episode, I'm talking about us putting the, putting the marriage back in parenting in the black community, putting the marriage in, in, in parenting. I wrote a blog once, um, and I talked about motherhood. And for me, motherhood includes marriage. I think that um, part of my role as a mother is not just to nurture my children, <clears throat> make sure they have clean clothes, and I'm sending them to a, a decent school, and um, you know, giving them love and direction, and I'm rearing them, and I'm training them into you know appropriate habits, but. Part of my responsibility as a mother, as I believe it, is to ensure that my children have a relationship with their father, stability in the household. And what I know is that, and not just what I know, but also what statistics show, is that the greatest um, probability of a child having ongoing contact relationships, and supports with their father is through marriage. Now, I know that there are some listeners who um, may challenge me on this conversation, and I welcome that as well. And there are some who may say, well, I wasn't raised by my mom and my dad in the home, and I turned out okay. And I'm happy for you, and that's great. Um, you may say, well, I 
was in a, I was married to my children's father. I was married to my children's mother. And, um, you know, there was domestic violence or there was drug abuse or there was mistreatment. Um, and so I just want to get those exceptions um, out of the way very, very quickly. Um, for those who have been in unfortunate circumstances where the the mother or father of their child engaged in some dangerous, um, risky behavior, I believe that it is best that health and safety come first, always. Um, you know, you're no good to your child if you're not here because you were in um, a domestic violence a situation that could become fatal or deadly. So I do not advise anyone to stay um, in a relationship under any uh, any conditions that would threaten health or safety. Um, that I I I I think that you know we can try to work through that if it's workable. But if it's not, then I definitely would advise anybody that you know, the first law of nature is self-preservation. So what one must do to preserve one's life, um, those measures would have to be taken. But outside of those extreme circumstances, um, I want us to be responsible. I want us to be um, sensible. And I want us to really think through what's in the best interest of our children. Um, now, we know that, you know, divorce or separation is reality, but what I also know is that uh, marriage, or let me say it differently, what is a reality is that 70%, 71% of births to black African-American mothers were to unwed mothers. So we haven't even in these circumstances, had a marriage and failed. In these circumstances, these children were born to mothers who were unwed and also fathers who are unwed. And so as you heard earlier, I'm talking about putting marriage back in parenthood, not just in motherhood, but also in fatherhood. Um, I don't believe in doing one without the other. It's impossible. You know, so I'm not going to just talk to the women um, in this conversation, but this is for uh, women and men. This is for families that we have to acknowledge that if the male contribution and the female contribution, the sperm and the egg are necessary to come together to begin the formation of new life, then the male and female contribution are also necessary to support and sustain new life. And uh, you know, 70% is a very, very high number. I mean, frankly, that seven out of 10 births to black women are unwed um, households. And I, I think that's an unfair start that we're giving our children at life. Um, and I know there are some people who just don't believe in marriage, some people who don't want marriage, some people who want to have a child but don't necessarily want to have a male counterpart. And, you know, in America, we are certainly free to make whatever decisions freely that the law allows. Um, but when we are uh, reviewing the conditions of our community and the conditions 
that our children are facing, um, children are that are runaways, children that are um, in drug treatment, um, adolescents in drug treatment, uh, adolescents, specifically adolescent males who are in um, the criminal justice system or who have been adjudicated, the majority of them lacked a father in the home. And so you're saying, so what are you saying? Is the father the answer? I'm saying the family is the answer. And the family is the answer, so it is the responsibility of the mother and the father to ensure that this child has a stable home life, has a stable family, um, because the family is the, is the um, foundation, um, the foundational unit of civilization. And so if we are bringing our children into a broken foundation, then we're going to have a broken uh, civilization. And I don't mean to sound dramatic, but just look around at our communities. Look around at in, in our families. We don't have to go outside of the community. Just look in our families. Look at all of the children that are being born, our cousins, our uncles, our aunts, w without having... Um, without having marriage. I think that this is something I want that I, I want us to rethink. I want us to reconsider. You know, again, you know, marriage is great when it's, you know, two people who love each other and we want, you know, the, the parents to love each other. But, you know, like I tell my children, you know, a marriage can be like any relationship. You like somebody one day, the next day they got on your nerves, you know. Um, but that doesn't mean that you divorce. That doesn't mean that you walk away because, you know, this thing is challenging. Um, anything worth having is going to be presented with, you know, significant, sometimes monumental, life-changing um, challenges. And, and that's just a part of life. But the outcome, the outcome, um, I believe, should be our, uh, our most important focus. The outcome would be the healthy um, children or the children who've observed the relationship of a father and a mother in the home to support that child, not just there to for two people who can be in love and have a relationship, but also to be there to support the needs of the child. And, um, and, and I say it and I break it down just like that. You say this almost sounds like it's a business or it's, you know, contractual. Well, in a way, it is. It, this is, you know, the business of family, the business of child rearing. We really have to um, consider, I mean, you know, we talk about numbers. I just share numbers of, um, of, of unwed births in the black community. You know, everything comes down to numbers. And the fact that we have high numbers of unwed births contributes to the high numbers of incarceration. You know, where we have young people who are going outside the home looking for love and affection or looking for belonging, looking for uh, a unity. And gangs play a role in our community. Um, and, you know, our young people really strive to belong. It is important for them to belong. Um, and if they don't feel that there's a unity and a belonging at home, they will search for that outside of the home. And we see too many of our young people searching for the family out in the street because the family is not in the house. And, you know, I can hear the critics. 
Um, I can sense you. I, I know that you're there. I know that you're listening. And, you know, if you haven't turned this episode off by now or unsubscribed to the podcast, and I don't want you to unsubscribe. I just want you to hear me out. Um, I'll, I'll speak from experience. You could say my experience is just mine, but, you know, the experience that I had coming up without a mother and father, um, let alone uh, mother and father to raise me, that definitely left some very, very big holes in my life. You know, um, even when a child is adopted but has been raised by two parents that were loving and that were caring, that child is still going to have a yearning towards those natural parents because it is natural. No, um, no disrespect to the parents who raised them, uh, you know, no offense to the parents who raised them, or in my case, no offense to, you know, my grandmother who raised me, but that yearning for that family unit, that doesn't just go away, uh, you know, because you're being cared for, because it is natural to look for you to, or you and I to belong to the people and to see that belonging in the household. And, you know, some people have these relationships and they never get married, but they raise their children together. But I'm just referring to the numbers. Statistics show that the greatest um, opportunity for a child to be raised or to have a relationship with the father is when the father is in the home. And the greatest opportunity to keep the father in the home is when there's marriage. Now, I know you'll say, well, we were married and he left anyway. And I'm sorry for that. And I can't control what anybody else does. Um, but I also recognize that there are um, actions and behaviors and steps we can take to create the conditions to have the father in the home. Likewise, there are actions and steps and conditions a man could take to keep the mother in the home, to keep the wife in the home, to keep the wife happy, to keep the, ha the, the husband happy, or at least to keep them there to fulfill their duty of raising their children. And, um, you know, I, I, I think that this is an important conversation. And for me, I see a lot of, and, and you probably have seen this too, um, how many baby showers do we see for teenage girls or for um, adolescent women? Um, we have family members that will spend exorbitant amounts of money on the baby shower, thousands of dollars even, but would not dare do the same for the wedding. How many times have you heard of a teenager uh, getting his girlfriend pregnant and will say, but you're not ready for marriage? Well, that child that they are producing is ready for mom and dad to be married. And I think that we should get back to supporting our young people when they uh, uh, um, are irresponsible and are having unprotected sex and having sex outside of marriage. And if they're irresponsible, then we help them. Um, back in the day, they'd say clean it up. But we help them rectify that situation. And we encourage that young man and that young woman to be a family. Not because 
um, we think these teenagers or these young people are ready for marriage, but because we are looking out for the best interest of the child that they're producing so that they can have an opportunity to have mom and to have dad in the home. Um, And then as we encourage our young people to be married, we also have to create a village around them to support marriage. I was just saying recently um, to someone that everything about our society um, pulls on marriage. Everything, I won't say everything, many things about the American society uh, and the culture that we're in supports the destruction of marriage, supports the destruction of families. Um, You know, personally on my Facebook page, we'll use that as an example, my own personal Facebook page, not the Nura Speaks podcast Facebook page. Um, But you'll see very few males as my quote friends. Um, The males you'll see on my Facebook page, they are my relatives. And I chose that not because that was something that my husband uh, dictated to me because he ordered me not to have any male friends on Facebook. But I choose to operate on social media as I choose to operate in my life. And what do I mean? I don't have any male friends. I have a brother. I have cousins. uh, I have uh, uncles. I don't have any male friends. My husband is male friend enough for me. Um, And I believe that there's a lot of uh, confusion, a lot of people spending time surfing uh, other people's pages, looking to make these connections or reconnections from um, old acquaintances. And it can be a slippery slope. It can be a very, very slippery slope, and it could cause a lot of confusion. And so for me, and this is just my personal choice that I'm sharing with you, I don't need, I don't want um, my husband to even have to think about him being concerned that there are people or men on my page who are commenting or being inappropriate because I, that I just don't have uh, space for that, and, and I'm not interested in that. Um, And so this is what I'm talking about with us creating the conditions to support keeping the family together. No woman can make a man stay in the home and no man can make a woman stay in the home. But we can create the the conditions so that each can stay. Perfection or excuse me, perfection in the home. I don't know that there's such a thing, but I do believe in us showing our children our commitment to them, our commitment to a stable household, our commitment to their own personal development. I mean, the world is full of um, uh, media and, and social media and advertisements that will pull on our children's confidence and insecurity. I mean, they're going to go outside of the home and have to figure out how to fit in, um, figure out how to deal with the bullying, figure out how to um, deal with the, um, the, the ostracizing that happens on the playground and in the schools and deal with all of, uh, all of the alienation that can happen. I believe that a father and mother married in the home can help that child through those hard times, that that child knows that they have a base 
And in addition to that, there are things that a mother provides in a child's life that cannot be duplicated by anybody else, by a man. And there are there are things that a father contributes as a man in a child's life that cannot be duplicated by a mother. I mean, you know, when Mother's Day comes around, I always get anxious because I know I'm going to see, uh, excuse me, when Father's Day comes around, I get anxious because I know I'm going to see Father's Day cards for mothers talking about you are my mother and my father. No, she was your mother. She wasn't your father. She was your mother. I, I don't recall ever seeing a, a, a Mother's Day card to a father saying you are my father and my mother. But we've definitely seen the Father's Day cards to mother that you were my mother and my father. And frankly, no, a, a mother can't be a father. A mother can be a mother. And she can do the best she can in the absence of a father, but she cannot be a mother. And we, we, we have to, you know, redefine how we address things and, 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 you know, the language that we use. So I'll use another example. I remember hearing um, men say, and I've heard multiple men say this, um, man, my children are lucky that they got a father in their life. And you think, no, they're not lucky, they're basic. They're not lucky, they're average. I mean, it's almost as if saying, my children are lucky that they have two functioning arms and two functioning hands and they have two functioning ears and two functioning eyes. I mean, anything else would be considered a handicap. So why do we celebrate these basic expectations that my child's lucky, he got his mother and his father? No, that means he's at the starting line with everybody else. He's not 50 yards behind because he lacks a father or 100 yards back because he lacks a father and a mother or 200 yards back because he has a dysfunctional father fighting with a dysfunctional mother who are outside of, outside of the home from each other. That is a very, very low expectation sort of conversation. And we show our children in that kind of language, celebrating these basic things that they're really not entitled to what everybody else is entitled to. Um, and, and, and then, you know, we have women um, in the black community who have a, um, I just got to say, it. We, 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 we play the victim, sisters. Many times we play the victims. You know, we have the, the, you know, my mom, she was a single mom, man, and she, well, you know what? Married mothers go through some stuff, too. <laughs> Married mothers, um, you know, uh, are climbing uphill just like single mothers. Certainly the challenges are not the same, you know, but let's celebrate the mother who created the conditions to support the presence of the father. Um, not that the single mother created the conditions and ran them out, you know, because everybody has free will and can do what they want. But we see single mothers being celebrated in the black community. I believe all mothers should be celebrated in the black community. And sometimes we celebrate areas of dysfunction or brokenness in our community. And I think that we should get away from that. And this is not to bash on my sisters who are single mothers. I mean, we're all doing it. We're all striving. We're all, you know, trying to keep our thing together and keep our thing intact. And I know that having a husband and being married and being married as long as 
I have is certainly, um, you know, against the odds that are set, you know, for marriage, let alone black marriages. But for me, it is imperative that I have children and I don't repeat the uh, the childhood that I had for my children. It was a commitment that I had years and years ago when I was a child. And I said, man, the insecurity, the question, the doubt, I would n- I'm not going to do this to my children. And I was committed to that. And, you know, thankfully and by Allah's grace, and I'm grateful to my husband's commitment to stay in this with me. Um, because as I said, you know, marriage is, is real. Marriage isn't, um, uh, marriage isn't a fairy tale, which I think is something we also need to talk to our children about. It's a relationship like any other, and it has its ups and downs. But for me, the unity is the success. Being there is the success. And in those circumstances where the marriage is dissolved, where the parents do divorce, to be present as a father and a mother in a child's life, where the child sees that father and mother working together still as a team for that child, that means so, so much. And so as I talked about us being careful with our language, you know, I think we also should be careful when we talk about us as single parents when we're co-parenting that child or those children. You know, there are circumstances where there is a separation and father lives in one home and mother lives in the other, you know. But in the, in the situations where there is co-parenting, maybe not cohabitation, but co-parenting, we have to be careful still saying I'm a single parent. You know, maybe you're an unwed parent, you're not married to the father, but you're not single parenting if the father is parenting and if the mother is parenting. I think language plays a big part in um in in our in our in our in our minds and our outlooks and how we view things because what we do is we start setting trends and we bring our daughters or our sons around uh people who may not have um, uh, a husband or a wife in the home. And we, we, we act as if the conditions of single parenthood is okay because you know somebody who's getting by. No, you don't want to get by. You want to thrive. You want to be successful. You want to have stability. And in a lot of situations, there's a lack of stability. And, I, and I'm talking about what I see with our young women. And our young women have children and without the thought of a marriage, without the thought sometimes of even being with the guy that that they just conceived the child with, we have somehow made it acceptable and easy for us to swallow these kinds of lifestyles. But what about the children? And what about what the children need? You know, um, first of all, just having two people in a home, raising a child together, number one, you're... Uh, doubling or maybe not doubling, but your economics is better. You're working with a partner. The child is watching people compromise, watching um, leadership in the house, watching stability in the house, watching struggle, watching a fight to maintain something together. You know, I'm talking about cooperation, watching two people cooperate and, 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 and get past a difficulty, get past a stumbling block in a relationship. 
where they know that, wow, people can work through something. You know, I saw mom and dad, they weren't really um, happy with each other, but wow, they're still together. Or wow, now they're happy with each other. Just allowing our children to see all of the moments. Um, well, not all of the moments because we don't want to fuss and fight and argue in front of our children, but let our children know what a relationship is and the realities of life. And so, you know, our young men, you know, they've gotten the idea in their heads that they can make a child and walk away. Um, and, you know, that's not natural for them. And it's as unnatural as a young lady to come home from the hospital with a brand new baby and not come home with the father of that child. That child needs to hear the bass in that, in that man's voice, just as that child needs to fear the softness of her mother or his mother's breast. Both are necessary, both are natural, and both are needed for the wholeness of a child. So, you know, I, I was really taking my time bringing this conversation to the Neurospeaks audience because I know it can be a sensitive issue. I am not here to condemn or indict any of us. Um, none of us are perfect, and we certainly have conditions that have set up this brokenness, um, have supported these conditions. And so I'm not here to bang on us, but what I'm here to do is just to have a different conversation and remind us of what our values used to be. And remind, I mean, because, you know, in the 1960s, I'll say, in the 1960s, we did not have this un, um, unwed birth rate that we have now. And so there was something that happened socially and socioeconomically in our community that created and supported these conditions. So I say that to say this isn't something that was something that we always practiced, having children and being separate and apart, that's not a practice that was natural to us. It's never been natural to us. Just as two people have to come together with their contributions to form life, two people are necessary and naturally needed to support that life. And, you know, and I'm speaking from somebody, you know, I, I'll say now, you know, oh, yeah, I'm okay, you know, but I'm sure my husband might say, well, you're not exactly okay. Um, but there is a loss. A child has a loss when he or she does not have mom and dad in the home. And I'm telling you this from experience. Um, and those who say, well, I came out okay. Well, one, yeah, you might think so. Um, but to suggest that somebody is okay after coming out of um, um, a childhood lacking the essential ingredients is also in a way suggesting that those ingredients were unnecessary and that those conditions were okay. Now, I believe people do the best they can with what they have, and some people do darn good with what they have, and I salute and congratulate each and every one of us. But the basic unit of any civilization is family. And if our unit is broken, if our unit is crumbling, think about why our communities, why our cities, why our towns, and why our families are the way they are? Because we start off with broken units. And so certainly, again, I want to repeat, anyone who's in an unhealthy relationship that compromises health and safety, you know, you have to do what you have to do to protect yourself and to protect your children. But outside of that, I believe that we should fight 
to keep families together for the benefit and for the welfare of the children. Um, let's stop throwing baby showers. If we want to spend the money, let's spend the money on a modest wedding for two young people who we want to encourage to give that child the best start that they can give. And let's stop with these low expectations, these lack of entitlements that my child is lucky that they have mom and dad in the home. That, that's, that's, that's low expectation. That's just basic. You know, if a child is born with one leg, we say that child is handicapped. If that child is born blind, we say that child is handicapped. If that child is coming into this world and doesn't have the essentials from a father and from a mother, then we've created handicapped conditions for that child. Now, certainly, you know, we can get the crutches and we can get um, other things to supplement um, what's missing. But remember, that's just a supplement. That is not the real thing. And so let's get back to um, helping our children, helping our young people um, with recognizing the importance of family, recognizing the importance. I mean, just the, 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 the condition, the safety of a woman and child when a man is present in the home. There is less crime committed against a woman in, in our household when there's a man present. I mean, there's just some things that are just, um, just some things that are just basic, that the presence of a man and the presence of a woman. We know that men live longer, the men who are married, they live longer. There's a reason for that, um, that men who are married live longer than men who are single. Um, and children who don't have a mother and father in their home um, that find themselves in um, detention centers or drug treatment facilities, you know, these numbers mean something. And we can support our children and reduce these numbers by encouraging our young people to get married and include marriage in parenthood. Um, I hope that this message was received with the love that, um, you know, the love that I have for my community and for my listeners. Um, this conversation was about men and women and what we must do to support our children because they're our children. Um, and we should not, some people say, you know, I'll give my children anything that they want. I'll make sure my, well, you know, that's, that starts at home. That starts at what we're creating at home and what they see at home and who they see at home. I'm going to thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Neurospeaks podcast. Come back for another episode next week. And I know this was a touchy subject, so I'd be interested in your comments and your questions. You can email me at info at norispeaks.com. That's info at norispeaks.com. You can also leave a comment on the Norispeaks podcast Facebook page, Instagram, or certainly the Twitter page. I look forward to reading those, and I look forward to being with you again next week. And until next time, stay in peace. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Nora Speaks podcast. Be on the lookout for a new episode coming at you fresh next week. And as always, if you want to learn more about me and the work that I do, visit my website, norraspeaks.com. Or if you have a listener question, email me 
at info at You can also follow the Nora Speaks podcast on Facebook and Instagram at Nora Speaks Podcast. I'll be sure to include links to the above in today's show notes. If this show has value to you, please subscribe, rate, and review, and share it out with friends. And be sure to check out previous episodes. And remember, don't just join the movement, be the movement. Stay in peace.